0: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the things we're learning. We thank you for the things you're teaching us and that that you want to work with us in the garden. And Lord, as we talk about weeds, we know that there's so many lessons to learn there. I pray that as I try to teach practical things, that you will be teaching spiritual things, that we will take the the practical lessons of of eradicating weeds and apply them to our characters. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I knew this was going to be a popular class because it's something that's a universal, right? Everybody has to deal with weeds. And so I have, I think I've got 15... (laughs) strategies here that, uh, if you read the the description, I said it's really simple, Uh, but I didn't say easy, right? You understand the difference between simple and easy? I know exactly how to keep weeds out of my garden. Does that mean my garden is always weed free? Unfortunately not. That's our goal, but we're not there yet. So simple does not mean easy, and, and the other key word there is timely. You know, and that's the challenge with market gardening because you may know I need to be doing something, but there's some other things that are pressing and ahead of that. So anyway, um, because this is a home gardening track, I've tried to I've tried to organize these according to... The um, what I would say should be your priority. I've tried to prioritize them for the home gardener. So, have you oh, have you ever had a garden that looks like this? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, <laughs> um, but yeah. It's like you you go out there and you you plant your seeds and you come back two weeks later and I know they're in there somewhere. (laughs) I know I planted carrots. Where are they? And that's very discouraging, right? And so it's this vicious cycle. Do you want to spend time out there? Is that life-giving? No, I mean, that just makes you want to go back inside, right? And it's like, oh, I can't face it. So we don't want this. So how do we keep from that? I want to share this one quote with you. He who tills the soil is to make his work an object lesson of the careful, thorough work which must be done in the culture of the soil of the heart. That's Review and Herald, June 27. So I ask you, does your, is your garden an object lesson of the work that you want God doing on your heart? And, and do you see how our gardens can become this incredible living parable to share with our neighbors? You know, when they come over and they say, wow, wow. I don't see any weeds. How did you do this? And you can share spiritual principles, spiritual truths. So it's it's really it's not just life giving to yourself. It can be life giving to others. Amen. So let's get started on these. And this is this is a new one. I if any was anyone was in um, Portland or. If you listen to the Weed Seminar on Audioverse, um, there's a lot of similarities, but I did, I did add a few new ones. And there was one that I was thinking of this morning. Man, I should add that. And now it slipped my mind. So if I think of it, I will, I, will, I will share it. But anyway, focus on soil health and tilth or the structure of the soil and you're saying wait a minute this is a weeding class not a not a soil class but this is just coming home to me more and more if your soil is in good i like the word tilth but it's not a common word you know if it's that crumbly dark i mean everybody knows what beautiful soil looks like if your soil is like that weeding becomes so much easier. It really, really does. And so you want to remove all rocks and perennial weeds. You know, whatever that takes. You're out there with your digging fork, digging up the dandelions, digging up the dock or whatever you have out there, the Johnson grass. You're, you're doing the hard work up front. You know, any rocks, I would say, bigger than a quarter, I mean, ideally, you even get those rocks out. But depending on where you're from, some soils have a lot of rocks. And those are going to confound you in everything you do in the garden. So you want to get them out. And that sounds easy, right? But uh, every year it seems like the frost brings up more, right? I don't know how that works but it seems to work increase organic matter levels again it's it's getting that soil in good shape make sure soil chemistry is balanced because if any of you were here on Tuesday or you probably you heard it in Alan's class yesterday getting the chemistry right in the soil will actually loosen it up if you have a hard clay soil the reason it's hard is because the chemistry is wrong. And then you want to keep it loose with a broad fork. Um, we, we don't grow in rows. We grow in beds. And there's a number of reasons for that, but one reason I'll just mention here is that um, if you grow in beds, you're not compacting, you don't walk in your beds, you walk in your aisles. And so your soil stays looser, and it makes, it makes cultivating so much easier. Okay, so that's number one. These practices should be your first line of defense against weeds. And the beauty is, if you keep that soil loose, it helps with everything else as well. The, the roots of the plant are going to go down better. You're going to have healthier plants. So it's really as as many have said before, soil is the key. You gotta get your soil right. What is the what is the soil in our spiritual lives? The heart. It's all a matter of the heart, right? Okay, here's another one that's super easy, but you just have to plan ahead. Use stale seed beds. So You know, most people, when they garden, they go out, you know, the garden's been sitting fallow all winter with all those weed seeds from last year just lying there waiting to spring to life again. But they go out there some day, you know, some warm day in the spring, and they get the rotor tiller out, and they till it all up, and they seed it, and then they get... That first picture I showed you, you know, after a couple of weeks, it's this huge mess. Well, so do your soil working two weeks ahead of time or even further if you can. And, and I don't encourage tilling, but, you know, if you do, I'm not going to judge you for it. Um, you, when I say tilling, I mean rototilling, okay, but just do whatever you do for soil preparation ahead of time and then act like you've planted your garden, but you really haven't, you know. So in other words, water it when it's dry and you just let all the weeds germinate mm-hmm. and you deal with them before you ever plant your, your crop you're trying to get. Does that make sense? So there's a couple ways you can do with that. Do that. You know, probably the easiest thing, we'll be talking about the collinear hoe here in a minute, but just take a very, you know, a small bladed hoe and just tickle the surface of that soil. You're not wanting to dig deeply because you're just going to bring up more weed seeds. You're trying to deal with those weeds in the very top couple inches of the soil because those are the only ones that are going to germinate so if you you just kind of stir the soil and so the key is you got to get the weeds when almost before you actually can see them you know once they get this big you've lost the, the war almost I mean anything is possible okay so Ideally, you would do that a couple times. Let the weeds germinate and come up. Deal with them. Water it again. Let the weeds come up. Deal with them. And you will get rid of, I say, at least 80% of all your weed problems before you ever plant your seeds. Simple. But how many of us are on top of it enough to to plan two weeks ahead. That's the challenge. But a really, really simple, easy strategy that is very, very effective. Okay, let's go on to number three. And this is a whole, um, whole separate class here, but transplant as much as you possibly can. You know, again... If you go out there and sow seeds in the ground, have you ever noticed that weeds almost always grow faster than, than your crop? I mean, I think the only thing that can keep up with weeds maybe is radishes. Um, but you're, you're losing the battle from the first because you can't cultivate until you know where your <laughs> plants are. And so by the time you can get out there and cultivate, the weeds have already got a huge jump start. With transplants, you know exactly where your plants are. You can be cultivating from the first day if you want to. So it's a huge, huge jump on weeds. Okay? Immediately gives you a three to four week or more head start on the weeds. Here's another good one, an easy one. Schedule time for cultivating. Put it on your calendar. If you were here for the last class, we talked, you know, we do seeding once a week. Monday is seeding day. Wednesday is cultivation day. So we cultivate once a week. If you cultivate your garden once a week, you'll never have a weed problem. Little attentions often repeated, right? Is it simple? Little attentions often repeated. Now, you know, of course, the challenge is life is never quite this uh, ideal because what if it's raining on Wednesday? You know, so you've got to be able to look at the weather and look at the schedule and you've got to be able to adjust it a little bit. But ideally, you cultivate in the morning of a dry, warm day. If you do that, those weeds, if they're only this big, don't have a chance. They're done. They're a history. Dispatch weeds when they're in the white thread stage. That means you know the, the, the roots are just a tiny little white thread, less than a quarter inch tall. And again, it's, it's really simple to get weeds when they're that small. But if they get a little bigger, especially the grasses, you know, even if they're only this big, they'll quickly reroute, especially if there's any kind of moisture. So it's really, really critical to get them at that tiny white thread stage. Are you applying this to your spiritual lives? Make cultivation as much of a priority as planting or harvesting. I just remembered the thing that I was going to add this morning. Don't plant more than you can cultivate. Okay, so this is your bonus today. Everybody, you know, has these grand plans in the spring. They go out there and they till up a quarter an acre. And they plant a hundred tomato plants, you know. What are they going to do with a hundred tomato plants? It's better to have five tomato plants well tended and taken care of than a hundred tomato plants That are wild. Okay. So yeah. You know. Only plant as big an area. As you can cultivate. The time spent is an investment. That will pay dividends later. There's a great quote. From one of Elliot Coleman's books. About how. And I can't remember exactly how it goes. But something about the fact that seven men, you know, when your weeds are four inches tall, it takes seven men to accomplish the work of one man when your weeds are this small. You know, it it is so true. It will take you so much effort to redeem your garden. You know, this is a cool thing. I, I think God gave us gardens, and I have to be careful how I say this, but Because he wanted us to enter in, in a small way, to the work of redemption. It's the closest we come to creation, to being creators. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say we're gods or anything. But he gives us the privilege of creating a garden. And if we don't redeem that garden from sin, from the weeds, then it's going to be lost. Okay, that's number four. Number five, use specialized cultivating tools. And I want to just show you a few here. So you want to use something that is 100% efficient. So there's two hoes that I would highly recommend. This is a collinear hoe. It's just got this thin metal blade that you will easily break if you start chopping at weeds. It's not made for chopping. It's made for skimming the surface. And I can try to demonstrate this. Basically, you hold it like you hold a broom. You're standing upright, and you're just going along your beds like this, just Stirring the soil. Does that look hard? <laughs> What's the name of that one again, this is called a collinear hoe. This is an Elliot Coleman design. Um, it's not back-breaking. It's, it's fun. And the thing is, this only is going to work on your loosened beds. You're not trying to, to hack through big weeds or hard soil with this, because you'll break it. It's not designed for that. But if you have loose beds, you're walking in the pathways, and and actually, you know, if you've got your plants well-spaced, you can actually just go like this. I mean, how hard is that? You go down that way and (laughs) back this way. Does that sound or look difficult? So this is a great tool. It's, it's a perfectly designed tool. I love the handle. It's super lightweight. Just it's, it's a perfect example of a tool that has a special purpose, and it fulfills that purpose extremely well. And then this is your other tool. This is called a stirrup hoe. You can probably guess why. Um, and this comes, the, the, the collinear hoe comes in two sizes, like a, a, I think it's a three and a half inch, one this wide, or a seven inch one. This comes in three sizes. This is the medium size, there's a wider one and a narrower one. And this is what you use for your pathways. Um, or you can use it in your beds. But this, this works better for bigger weeds or for harder soil. And I'm going to have to put this down. So, um, so you're just going along and it cuts on the push and the pull. So you, you go backwards because you don't want to be stepping on what you've just cultivated or you can maybe re-root those re those weeds. So you're just going down the path like this hundred percent efficient never leaving the ground so those two tools right there can change your life now you know you can find a a cheap version of this at the hardware store a hula ho um i would encourage you to pay a little more and get these are swiss made tools and if you take care of them, they'll last a lifetime. This this has a replaceable blade, and you know the only thing that can happen is the blade wears out, or you break this bolt. And you can easily buy a new bolt. It'll last a lifetime. Okay. When does this class end? 11:45. So there's another tool that has just come out in the last year, which is kind of a hybrid. And it really has, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's called the mutineer hoe. And it's got a simple quick release here. And you've got all kinds of heads you can put on it. You can put a, a collinear hoe head on it. Or you can use these wire weeders, which actually are really cool. Again, they only work in loose soil and on small weeds. So this one, you know, I can either use it, it's I guess it's four inches wide. And again, if, if my soil is loose, you know, I'm just going like this. And it's just, it's disturbing the soil is all it's really doing. But if I'm getting in tight spaces, I can turn it this way and use that smaller head. Um, But then they've also got these torsion weeder heads, which are really kind of nice if you've got a fair bit of garden area and you're, Say you've got a, a row of carrots that are just coming up. This straddles the row and weeds on either side of the row. So again, you're just going along like this. And they've, they've actually even got, um, got ahead now that is is like this that can fit three of these on it and so if you're if you're really getting into it you want a a a cedar that's going to seed multiple rows at a time because then you have perfect perfectly spaced rows and you can cultivate multiple rows at the same time which really becomes very efficient you know let me just say this The guy, well, Elliot Coleman And Connor Crickmore Kind of came up with this tool Connor Crickmore Has The highest grossing market garden That I know of in the country I mean, he's he's grossing Over $350,000 On an acre And he doesn't even Own a tractor This is how he cultivates hand tools he doesn't even use a BCS so you know people think Connor Crickmore never sink farm you can go on YouTube and I mean his farm is amazing best farm we've ever visited Um, C-R-I-C-K-M-O-R-E never sink farm but he's he's a master at efficiency and you know people think oh man i don't want to use hand tools i want to use a tractor well you show me one person using a tractor that's making 350,000 an acre and you know i should i should caution you know don't think that you're going to go out and make $350,000 an acre because Connor Crickmore is near New York City. He has really good markets. <clears throat> and you don't need to make $350,000 an acre, right? But, well, because we have other priorities, right? right, right. We want to use the time that we free up from cultivating for ministry. Okay, so we've got collinear hose, stirrup hose wheel hose, let me just show you this so the wheel hoe is the stirrup hoe on steroids (laughs) so if you've got a a really big home garden you know i would say like more than a quarter acre i would encourage you to consider investing in one of these Um, again it's the same company it's a swiss company um that, that makes these, and these can, you can have all kinds of different attachments on it, but we mainly use it for cultivating our pathways. So again, if, if um, the soil, or if the weeds are small and the soil is dry, you know, I'm not doing it right because I'm trying to hold this mic, but you can, you can literally run down your pathways using this Now if if the weeds are bigger or the soil is harder Then you have to develop a little bit of a different movement that Multiplies the effort of your of your hands you kind of do this and That movement um, Unclogs the stirrup if you've got bigger weeds But it also, you know, as you're walking, you're putting the movement of your body and your arms together. So it gives it more force. So this is an amazing tool that, you know, and they've got all kinds of attachments. They've got an offset so you can cultivate your beds while walking on your pathways. Um, They've got, well, they've got all kinds of things. Hey, there's even a little bit of Tennessee dirt on there. You can Okay, so that's the wheel hoe. And then we showed you the wire weeder. Okay, so here's another one, a simple one. Number 6, use tight plant spacings to shade out weeds. Use the plants themselves to, to keep the weeds from going, um, plant leaves should be touching at three-quarter mature size. So once the lettuce gets up so it's touching each other, you don't have to cultivate anymore. That, that's going to shade the weeds out. Now, are you going to get a stray weed here or there? Yes, you will. But then your cultivation time is just walking through the garden and pulling out the stray weed um, you know, that's not hard. Okay, here's another one. Now, now these are starting to get maybe a little more, you know, a home gardener might be saying, wait a minute, I don't know, that's too much, but I'll tell you what, silage tarps have really revolutionized our farm. You're using them, aren't you, at Better Together? You know, as I say here in a second, it's, it's the closest thing I've, I've found to no-work gardening. And, you know, I say closest because there's no such thing as no-work gardening. But silage tarps are basically just very heavy-duty plastic. They're UV-treated so they won't break down. They'll last for many years, um, especially if you get them out of the sun when you're not using them. But basically, you know, they're developed for for the dairy industry, um, for for making silage. But they're being used on market gardens. Jean-Martin Fortier, the market gardener, is the one that really introduced this to us, and it just blew me away. To when we visited his farm, and he pulled back that tarp, and there were worms all over the surface i mean and we're talking big fat worms i couldn't believe it and so what he does and what we do now is well i'm trying to think of when i you know because we use it different ways at different times of the season um if, if a perfect time that we use it is after our spring crops, and a classic example is, is beets. You know, beets you can keep cultivated really well for a while, but once they start really leafing out, it's hard to cultivate them because you just end up breaking all the leaves off when you cultivate. So beets, as they're maturing, the, the weeds tend to kind of start, growing in there and we know well we're going to be harvesting them soon it's not worth us going in there and hand weeding them cuz the the weeds aren't going to be going to seed before we harvest the beets so as soon as we harvest the beets you know if there's big weeds which you hope there's not but if there is you might want to run over it with a weed eater or something to just kind of knock them down and then you you Irrigate make sure the soil is good and moist and then just cover it with that silage tarp and put sandbags around the edge, you know like every five feet or so depending on how much wind you get and Just wait you walk away and you work in the other parts of the garden a month later you come back and you pull that silage tarp off and any any weeds that were there are almost totally um, decomposed. The soil is moist and loose. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You're saying, wow, why didn't I know about this years ago? And you literally, you know, you pull it off and all you have to do is broad fork the soil to loosen it up just a little bit. I mean, really don't have, really have to do that. And you're you're ready to transplant. <coughs> Boom. Yes, so he's sharing that they had Bermuda grass at Better Together Farms, which you know, I think of any weed, I, I think Bermuda grass is probably the one that scares me the most. I, I fortunately we haven't had to deal with it much at our place, but boy, I yeah. So it, it works. In fact, you know, I recommend to people if you're, if you're really planning ahead and you know where your garden's going, you wanna plant it next year, you put it down now. And if you leave your silage tarp down for a year, it will get rid of all your perennial weeds. And, and when you go to plant, man, it's amazing. Okay, so yeah, I know there's more questions, but I'm going to try to keep going here. The, the last ones we're going to go through a little faster. Kept, it's best if it's kept down for three or four weeks. The longer you keep it down, the more effective it's going to be. Although I will tell you this, um, you don't want to just keep it down all the time. We, you know, we took a sabbatical a couple years ago. And there, were, there was one place where we just put a silage tarp down for the whole year. Now, it will get rid of your weeds, but it's not doing anything to improve your soil. Does that make sense? So I found the next year when I planted that soil where that silage tarp was, the crops didn't grow as well. So, you know, it will... It will do a lot of good things, but it's not improving your soil. Okay, use shallow till or no-till. Um, you know, this is still a little controversial, especially in Adventism. And, I, you know, I wish I could go more into this. But, um, of course, no-till has gotten a bad name because no-till is another way of saying spray roundup you know that's what the big conventional farmers do that's a totally different kind of no-till we're talking about just not turning the soil over now you know somebody always asks well what about the the quote about plowing deep and, and plowing deep and plowing often and i You know, I have my own interpretation of that, and I'm not going to say whether it's right or not. You know, I think that she was using the terminology of her day, and what I think she means is work the soil deeply and do it often. And I do that with my broad fork. So that's my interpretation. Um, But I could be wrong. So... But the idea of shallow till or no-till, we already talked about, is, is not bringing up more weeds. You know, when you use a rototiller, you're bringing up weeds from, you know, 9 or 10 inches deep. And weeds can sit down there at those levels for years and years until they get brought up to the light of day. And then it's like, wow, new life. <laughs> Okay, use plastic or fabric mulch. Again, I'm not a big advocate of plastic. I don't like to use it. But there are some crops that we do use it on. We use it on our strawberries. There are certain crops we just can't make economical without it. But fabric mulch is, is a little better because it can be reused for multiple years it's a woven black fabric that you can burn holes or cut holes in. Um, it is very effective. Uh, I, I think it can also make lazy gardeners, which I don't like to do. We don't want to become lazy. but So we, f- we recommend the 60-day rule. If something's going to be in your garden for over 60 days, it might be worth putting... It in fabric so you don't have to continually be cultivating it if it's a short season crop um, you know it's it may not be worth using it and then of course you can use organic mulches which you know the great thing about organic mulches is you're you're adding organic matter to the soil you're improving your soil but it comes at a, a price It can keep the soil too cool in the spring. It can keep it too moist if there's too much moisture. And it can also harbor um, pests and diseases. You know, things like the squash bugs love uh, (laughs) organic mulch to hide in. So you have to weigh the costs and, and decide is it something I want to use Okay, this is an important one. Never let weeds go to seed. We better say that together, right? (laughs) Never let weeds go to seed. You do whatever you have to do. You know, if you've gone on vacation and you come back and the weeds have taken over, get out the weed eater. Get out the mower. It's not worth letting the weeds go to seed. You know, chop it all down. Cover it with a silage tart. you got another chance next year, right? Uh, There's a saying that will strike fear in your heart. One year's seeding is seven years weeding. So you let those, especially something like pigweed, you let that go to seed, you're going to deal with it for, you know, your grandchildren will probably be dealing with it. Okay, so again, these are. This is the four-row cedar we use. Um, And again, this might not be so applicable for home gardeners. But by using a multi-multi row cedar, you can cultivate much faster and easier. And here's flame weeding. And you know, you're not going to go out and buy one of these unless you're a, a market gardener, but you can go to the hardware store and buy a single burner model for just, it doesn't cost much. And it's very effective, but you have to understand you're not trying to incinerate the weeds. You don't have to do that. All you're trying to do is burst those cells and it only takes a second or two. And if if you, um, you know, the, the weeds will kind of, Just bend over a little bit. They don't look dead. They just look like they're taking a nap. But if you come back in a couple hours, then you'll be able to tell. They're like out flat, okay? So you just have to go over it quickly and lightly. But again, they need to be small. They need to be, it can be combined really well with the stale seed beds. Just go over your stale seed beds with that. Um, You can buy cheap ones and, oh, I was going to say something else on that. Oh, well. Use clear plastic for solarization. I've been reading more on this. I've actually never done this because it's a little bit more work. Um, But it works really well from what I'm reading and from uh, talking to farmers that have used it. Soil must be moist, temperatures must be hot, and ideally the edges should be sealed. That's the part that's more work. And so because farmers are always trying, they've got more work than they have time, you can't often afford the time to do it. But I've heard really good things about how well it works. Um, it, It kills not only the weed seed, but actually disease organisms in the top inch or two of the soil. So it basically sterilizes the top inch or two of soil, which organic farmers are saying, whoa, I don't want to sterilize my soil. But again, you're talking about the top inch or two. So all those good organisms that are down deeper will come back and recolonize the soil very quickly from what I've read. The last one here, use smother crops. Oh, wow, we're in good shape. We'll have time for questions. Use smother crops to outcompete weeds. So again, this is not something you're doing in season, usually. uh, But there are a lot of crops, or there are some crops, that will grow faster than weeds. Do you know what this is here? buckwheat buckwheat grows very fast you sow buckwheat um, thickly in the summertime and it will smother out the weeds the weeds will germinate but the buckwheat is growing faster than them and it also is very fast crop it will start flowering in 30 days or so in the middle of summer it's great the the bees love it Um, the the Beneficial insects love it. You don't want to let it go to seed because it'll become a weed on its own. But it's super easy to pull out. You know, buckwheat is super easy to pull out. So that's one. There's in the summer, you can use buckwheat, soybeans, cowpeas, or sorghum sedan grass. I would caution you against sorghum sedan grass if you're a home grower because that is so bulky that um, it's very hard to get rid of and it it creates so much organic matter that you don't know what to do with it all. Um, Winter wheat, rye, vetch, and crimson clover can all be used to smother out your weeds. So 15 strategies and yeah, I would encourage you to seed thicker than the normal rates that they will tell you because you want a really thick crop. So in closing, I would say view these tips as tools in your tool chest. All may not be relevant for your situation, but the more strategies you use, the better the chances of keeping the weeds from winning. Keep in mind that it is very short-sighted to allow other farming or gardening activities to take priority over cultivating. I mean, it just doesn't pay. When you're out there trying to sort your lettuce mix, sort out the weeds from your lettuce mix, you're losing your profits. If you're having to hand um, weed your carrots, you're losing your profit. Of course, now I'm talking to market gardeners again. If you're a home gardener, you want to go out there and hand weed your carrots, because it's character building. <laughs> it's... All financially profitable farms that I know of have their weeds under control. You just can't, you can't crush it in market gardening with weed problems. And this is the real key here. A weed-free garden will be a much more enjoyable place to spend time. When your garden is a beautiful place to be, you will love to be there. And if it's a mess, you don't like to be there. And we want to be there because God's there, right? And he wants to walk with us there. So this is really important. You know, this is important for our characters and it's, it's important for our gardens, so with that, we'll take some questions. Yes, right here, and then in the back. Suggestions for eliminating devil's claw. Well, I'm afraid I don't, because I don't even know what devil's claw is. Are you from Florida? Yes. but are moving to Florida, Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't even know what devil's claw is. It's a vine with fish hooks on it. Yes. A vine with fish hooks. Well, so I can't give you specific um, suggestions, but what I can say is if you use these strategies consistently over time, you can. Get, I believe you can get rid of any weed. You know, one of the worst besides uh, Bermuda grass is Johnson grass because it's got these big underground things that... Um, But you can get rid of Johnson grass. It's called little attentions often repeated. Every time it sprouts up, you're out there with your fork digging it up, getting as much of the root as you can. The root can't survive long term without photosynthesis. So if, if you keep knocking it back, never give it a chance to catch its breath, it's gonna die sooner or later. Okay, back there. Okay, so he's just saying it's not just don't let it go to seed, but don't let it mature at all. And I would agree with that. Again, you know, the goal is to get it when it's almost, bef- you know, so if you, if you set your time for cultivating and you go out there and it's like, oh man, there's no weeds. I don't need to cultivate this week. Cultivate anyway because there are weeds there, and you're getting them before you can even see them. Okay, there. Let's come here. There's two here, and then one over there. How do you balance smaller spacing with the risk of uh, crowding and lower yields? Okay, good question. How do you balance closing up your spacing with risking um, lowering your yields? or you know it could build disease pressure as you get tighter spacings so uh, you know i guess i would the simple answer there is i look to those who've gone before for suggestions look to successful growers and what spacing they're using so that's a short and simple answer yes two things okay Okay, so she's suggesting oak leaves as a mulch to help with squash bugs. Yeah, I, you know, I think, is it because of pH and stuff? Is that why they say not? I know. I, a lot of this pH stuff is wives' tails in my opinion. Okay. So she's saying you can use, like, contractor trash bags? Yes. Instead of silage tarp I don't know if they're UV treated So I don't know how long they'd last They're heavy duty for sure um, The silage tarps are fairly expensive Farmer's friend who has a booth here Sells them um, But you know it's the kind of thing You can go in with others they're, they're 100 feet long Or 105 feet I think actually And then they're different widths From 24 up to 50 feet wide You don't want to try to get a 50 by 100 foot because you can't even move that thing. We've used old billboards. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that is an option. If you have a source for old billboards, that works. Um, The only thing I would say to that is if they're not really dark, I'm convinced the black does something you know it it kills weeds faster if so if it's a light color it may not work as well there was one over here and then I see a hand back there okay good question if you're doing stale seed bedding does it matter whether you amend before or after you know I think it would depend on what you're trying to add if you're if you're putting on a nitrogen source you might not want to add it too far ahead of time because it might depending on what it is it might already be leached out of the soil to some degree but I would say anything that you're trying to work into the soil you definitely want to do beforehand because your whole idea is to not disturb the soil after Okay, back here. Okay, so she's wanting to know about uh, cover crops. Yeah, again, that's a whole, a whole separate session. But I would say the general rule for cover crops is you turn it in. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember what percent of flower. Can somebody help me here? Twenty percent. Ten to twenty percent flowering. So you want to wait till it's starting to flower because that's when it's got the most bulk and it's got the best carbon to nitrogen ratio. And that's when it's best to turn it And If you wait too long, then it could be setting seeds again and you don't really want that probably. Um, and also it's be- going to become much more carbonaceous, which may be a good thing or a bad thing. It depends on how quickly you're needing to get in there again yeah okay so he's asking remind me if I'm not repeating the questions but he's asking could you put down straw and hay under a silage tarp yes you could but straw is you know very high carbon so it's gonna break down fairly slowly so you're gonna need quite a bit of time to break that down But hay is not, as much. Hay is not as much you know you gotta be careful with hay you got to know the source and you know it can have a lot of weed seed and yeah you got to be careful bringing stuff from off your farm because you know a lot of compost and hay and stuff has been sprayed with things that can get you in trouble way in the back yeah yeah. cardboard works if you have a good source of it so yeah that's doing double, double duty Why don't we just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for being here with us and for teaching us. And I pray, Lord, that we would apply these lessons in our gardens and more importantly, in our hearts. May we learn of you each day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse